0: Hi, and welcome back to the Outsource Accelerator podcast. Today, I am speaking with Raymond Abreya. He is the chairman and CEO of Asian Consulting Group. Mon, as he's known, is a tax advocate, and I've never met a tax advocate before. He is helping the government with its recent tax reforms uh, and works with the BIR and works with the various government departments to increase ease of doing business and streamlining the taxation systems. So it's a really good conversation. Specifically, we spoke about the ease of doing business in the Philippines, the streamlining of processes, the recent train and create uh, tax bills that have just been passed and the implications of that for business. We also have an interesting conversation about freelancers and the gig economy, specifically the, the the VAs and upwork workers that aren't paying tax generally and uh, what the government is thinking about that. And we also talk about COVID and the recovery programs, possible recovery programs uh, considered by the Philippine government. So really interesting conversation with Mon Abrea. And as always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you're already outsourcing, about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your outsourcing practices. We list over 700 outsourcing suppliers on our website, host this leading outsourcing podcast, and have over 5,000 pages of content. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. We offer everything from light brokerage, co-managed services, through to fully managed solutions. Get in touch today. Visit us at OutsourceAccelerator.com slash quote. Mention that you're a podcast listener and we will give you special attention plus a 10% discount. This is for a limited time only. Go to OutsourceAccelerator.com slash quote. Hi, and welcome back. So today I'm joined by Mon Abrea. He is the chairman and CEO of Asian Consulting Group. Hi, Mon. How are you? Hi, Derek. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Mon, so you are here, amongst other things, to talk about the Philippine uh, business environment and, amongst other things, the ease of doing business. And the Philippines doesn't rank particularly high in those categories so it's great to have you on the show and i want to really dig into this for the audience but first Mon, can you just give us a little bit of context introduce yourself and uh acg as well
1: yeah um i uh First, thank you, Derek, for um, inviting me in your podcast. Uh, I am Mona Brea. I am uh, actually a tax advocate. Uh, for more than ten years, we are working with the government to push for legislative and administrative reforms, and uh, also now, particularly on uh, improving the ease of doing business in the Philippines. Since I was appointed as co-chair of the Ease of Doing Business on paying taxes. So I uh, founded Asian Consulting Group uh, in 2011, primarily to fund our advocacy. So it's kind of different because for most companies, they establish NGO to do their CSR. In our case, we uh, establish a consulting firm to fund our advocacy.
0: Well, that's incredible, Mon. And and to be honest, I've never heard of a tax advocate. You're, You're advocating for more taxes or just simple and plain and clear taxes?
1: Yes, actually, it's really more of uh, simplifying it and lowering our taxes. And we have succeeded more or less uh, under this administration in cutting down our tax
0: tax rates. Well done. And so, Mon, I hear of the ease of doing business indexes and, and you know, those, those how, how do they relate to the taxation system? I would have assumed the taxation system is only one aspect of ease of doing business. Can you yes. maybe introduce us to the concept of, of ease of doing business well for the ease of doing business there are several
1: uh, indices or uh, agencies are giving competitiveness ranking there's one in the with the world bank and the other countries but mainly the ease of doing business task force was created to make sure that all national and local government agencies will work together to streamline and uh, cut down the cost of doing business. And paying taxes is one of the many uh, areas where we have to strategically introduce reforms and this means a longer period of time it's not just this administration even before this administration we started looking at uh, doing uh, registration from registration paying taxes cost of electricity getting business permits construction permits and uh, all these things Uh, and i think our audience can really relate especially if they're doing business in the philippines that they have to deal with several agencies and this is not um uh, i um this is not isolated because around the world, you really have to deal with different government agencies. But the, the, the competitiveness lies on how fast and how um, cost efficient it is to do business in a particular country. And for the Philippines, yes, Derek, you're correct. Uh, it's not that high, but compared to a decade ago, I think uh, we, we made several uh, uh, milestones already.
0: And for those you know less aware, Duterte uh, is coming to the end of his six-year reign, and he really made that a key agenda, didn't he, when he came in? He wanted to cut out the red tape and also the corruption and really wanted to simplify things for business uh, and society generally. But how do you think he's done with that? Has, has it become a reality? Well, if we will focus on, if we will look at the uh, legislations
1: and policy reforms, we have the Ease of Doing Business and Efficient uh, Government Service Delivery Act of 2018. That was on his third year. Uh, we passed this uh, EODB law uh, that further intensified the, uh, the policies that will uh, enforce or mandate both national and local government to really, uh, this is something that you really like, automate so even before COVID, there's really a law that in five years, all business uh, dealings or dealings with government agencies, businesses dealing with government agencies will have to be automated. So that is in 2018, uh, 2023. So in 2023, that it should be fully automated already if we will strictly follow the law that was legislated in 2018. Then we have the streamlining processes with several other policies um. In uh, affected by the government. We have the Republic Act 11517, streamlining government services in times of national emergency because we saw during the pandemic that even the budget, the movements of government agencies were restricted because of several bureaucracies which are very much present in our laws. So the the legislation of this um, streamlining process is very important, which was um, prioritized by the the current administration and and lastly the automation. So we saw the administrative orders, executive orders, mandating or allowing um, e signature, uh, e- uh, scan copies, or I mean these things are pretty obvious for common uh, people around the world. But for government dealings, there is so much uh, bureaucracy that will not allow it before. But now mm-hmm. we saw how they uh, they actually were the ones who who pivoted mainly because of this pandemic, because uh, they also work from home and uh, we saw that there are several transactions which are now done online.
0: It's great to see that there's a silver lining to that. And for, you know, I think it's almost a, a, a boon for the outsourcing industry that it is somewhat complex to set up a business here because, you know, if it was super easy, maybe a lot more of the clients would not use the outsourcing intermediaries and would do it themselves direct. Now, it is very difficult to incorporate in the Philippines. It takes a lot of time. There's a lot of complexity in terms of the compliance. Um, and, you know, often you need to be present in the country. But, but that, that is going through a process of streamlining as well, isn't it? There's now OPCs, one-person corporations. Yes. Uh, and, again, so the, in terms of the, what is it, corporate law, corporate governance those Mm -hmm. things are simplifying as well? Yes, in fact, um,
1: even before the pandemic, Derek, uh, we launched the NBOS, the national business one-stop shop, and now it's turned into central business portal. This is online registration. To incorporate a business so that is through sec and that is already linked with other government agencies including bir so hopefully um if not under this administration in the next administration we will saw we will see a mobile app that will allow you to transact with all government agencies because that i think is the real progress when we don't need to to uh, go and visit each of the government agencies mm. just to do business
0: because it is, it, you know, and these are very difficult problems to solve, aren't they? Because there's coordination of so many different entities and departments within those entities. So um, even, you know, even in any developed country, you know, the in the UK, they tried to redo the NHS, the national health systems, medical files and take them online. And that, that went, you know, 10 or 20 years overdue and cost many billions more than it should have. Um, so these things are very difficult problems to solve, aren't they? But you know,
1: Derek, when we when the government started uh, really working on this ease of doing business, they also started working with the, the countries which rank, uh, if not one, a top one or top among the top ten. Like, um, I think the Philippine government is now closely working with the uh, uh, the new uh, the government of New Zealand because New Zealand is number one in ease of doing business and. Uh, The government of uh, South Korea, because they are uh, also uh, top in the um, ranking in terms of paying taxes. So uh, sort of these things are are manifestations of the the seriousness of the government to really uh, benchmark with the best of the world in terms
0: of doing business. And I don't know if this is outside of your wheelhouse a little bit, but can you paint a picture in terms of what tax compliance and payments alike in the Philippines, I read an article, you know, back 20 years ago that the Philippines collected very low levels of of taxation. There was maybe about 80% of the population that were pretty much off the radar. Do you have a a sense of what tax collection is generally like across the broader country?
1: Yeah, you know, Derek, that that remains a challenge for the government because uh, in terms of registration, you're correct, um, of of the more than 110 million Filipinos, roughly 20 million is registered uh, as uh, taxpayers. So the rest are either newly born or they're um, they're underground or they're not really they're ghosts. They're not really registered at all. And in terms of enterprises, there's still a lot of uh, unregistered or what we call the black market or underground economy. Most of them are actually operating under legit entities. And it really requires so much uh, intelligence or uh, budget to make sure that we can crack down the smuggling, tax evasion. But now it's further... it heightened because of the digital economy because now there are a lot of online transactions that are not monitored by the government. They're also recipient of digitalization or they're trying to benefit from the digitalization. But uh, that's why there is a proposed bill to tax uh, digital transactions. Uh, That's now pending in Congress, the digital taxation. And that's another topic because I am not fully supporting the entire bill. (laughs) But yes, there's already a bill because they wanted to collect more from the digital uh, economy.
0: Mm. And again, I see, you know, and it's interesting, you see these trends across the world, because the entire world is trying to tackle these, you know, tech um, goliaths that are able to seem, you know, seemingly able to dodge the tax system wherever they are. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in, in a lot of the countries now, they're trying to tax at the point of sale, because you can't sort of deny that so much Mm -hmm. or hide that. Um, So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that the Philippines is also kind of looking to see what they could do with that. Now, could you, you know, and again, I'm not sure if this is within your wheelhouse, but the freelancer economy in the Philippines is booming. And, you know, I know people across DTI and DICT and BOI, and I think they've got maybe mixed feelings on that part of the economy. I think that it's pushing much needed economic lifeblood into the country and the provinces. Um, you know, it's it's estimated that there's about three and a half million people working on Upwork in this grey economy, and the majority of them would not be uh, declaring their taxes and, and most certainly not set up as a proper company. Now, do you know, what, what is the position on that? Is the government sort of, you know, at least they're relieved that people are earning money, but they want to try and get this Formalized? Do you, do you see where the government is, is sitting on this particular issue? Yes,
1: um, actually, Derek, you're um, correct. That's another um, untapped market or uh, the booming economy that is not being uh, regulated or being taxed by the government. But uh, actually, I made a proposal already on that. Uh, I'm proposing um, a flat 10% for all freelancers' online, uh, online uh, transactions so that it, it will, they will not have to run away. From registration, because at the end of the day, the government has to really sell the idea of people, whether uh, individual or uh, registered entities, partnership corporation, to um, register their transactions or their businesses. But if there will be um, so much compliance uh, requirements, then uh, they would just stay at home and do their freelancing without having to register themselves. So I guess Mm -hmm. uh, what's in it for them? Uh, aside from the requirements, the benefits should be highlighted. So in uh, in uh, reference to that, I am proposing a flat ta- ta- flat 10% just so they will not be uh, burdened by so much compliance costs. But at the same time, the challenge for DTI, DICT, NEDA particularly is to really uh, – for them to be uh, part of the formal economy is to really give them a sort of dignity and identity uh, that they will be given benefits, access to uh, financial assistance, and so on and so forth. Meaning they they should not be discriminated just because they're freelancers and they're not big corporations or that their Mm -hmm. taxes will be small. At the end of the day, Derek, I think what we need is that all of us will be valued regardless of how much we are contributing as long as it is our fair share. And we need a law that will uh, mandate the government (laughs) to recognize that. So if I'm a freelancer and I'm making one million, then I should not be doing a lot of things with the government. I should just be visiting them once a year or doing it online or say the Mm -hmm. flat 10%. That's it. But I can have access to free healthcare, free free interest, uh, financial assistance, and so on and so forth. I think that would really... uh, Protect and uh, encourage more freelancers and uh, online businesses to um, to to progress in the country.
0: Yeah, that would be brilliant because at the moment I see a lot of barriers. You know, people are people are just uninformed; they're scared, but also to to really do everything properly, you almost need a PhD in, in taxation. You know, it is a very complicated <laughs> system, and I am sure a lot yeah. of these people would prefer the the legitimate route. Um, you know, and as, as you say, like ten percent sounds more than more than fair. But what concerns me as well is, you know, as the Philippines staffing solution, you know, offshore staffing and VAs is now becoming internationally recognized. But there's a lot of people out there overseas that just, you know, they say, well, we're just paying them direct through PayPal and, you know, um, they can sort out the contract. And so there's this sort of a growing acceptance of illegitimacy Because, again, it's kind of a new economy, a new generation of how you do business globally. Uh, And it's a shame that, you know, so many people are starting to just slip through the gap.
1: Yeah, I guess guess, um, uh, with the legitimacy or them registering should come the the benefits and the assistance of the government. Otherwise, it will really be hard for them to uh, come out in the open and even approach the government if it will just be costs and no benefit on their part.
0: Moving on, we've heard recently, I, I believe it was at the start of Duterte's uh, um, period, and now uh, towards the end, we've had Train and the Create builds. And these were sort of long overdue uh, tax overhauls. Can you give the quick 101 as to, to what, what, what they are and, and what they've achieved? Sure. Um, before the uh, Duterte administration, we, uh,
1: a lot of tax advocates and experts in the Philippines were really pushing for uh, an overhaul of the tax code, mainly because uh, personal income tax uh, has been there for the last uh, two decades. Uh, only corporate income tax was amended uh, from 35 down to 32, then stuck with 30%. But still, it remains not competitive, given that the average corporate uh, income tax in the ASEAN region is around uh, 24%, with Singapore as uh, uh, having 17% only. So again, um, we don't want the government to just cut the tax rates. We want them to see that the long-term benefit or impact is uh, the. Philippine or domestic and foreign cor- corporations in the country will be competitive, given with uh, competitive rates uh, in terms of taxes. So upon the, the, the start in this, at the start of the administ- Duterte administration, they, they actually worked with us in the private sector to come up with this comprehensive tax reform program. So that's what we hear as package 1A, package 1B, package 2, package 3, package 4. And now we are done with package 1, 1A, 1B, 2, 2 plus. So that's what you are referring as the train law. Train law or the tax reform the the tra- tax reform for acceleration and inclusion is actually package 1A. And that law reduced our personal income tax uh, and increase the exemption. So the first two hundred and fifty thousand pesos is now ex- uh, exempted from income tax uh, start uh, from january one two thousand eighteen onwards. That's the effectivity of the train law. Other than that direct, uh, it standardized the transfer taxes. Before a lot of rich people are incorporating uh, And uh, a lot of entities just to hide their properties because when they die, they will pay 20% estate tax. So uh, only the rich people are worried about that because the poor, they don't have to pay estate tax. But it was now from 20% under the train law, it was standardized at fixed 6%. Meaning whether you sell your property, you donate your property, or you inherit uh, inherit a property, you will only be paying 6% transfer tax. So, that's what we call 6% capital gains tax if you sell it, 6% donors tax if you donate it, or 6% estate tax if you inherit a property. Of course, there are thresholds of exemption per transaction, but more or less, that's the train one or package 1A, the train law. Then, and that's um, quite generous,
0: isn't it? I mean, to have the first $250,000, is it, 250000 Yes, uh, for
1: individual it's okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. first two hundred fifty thousand because it's it actually benefited the employees direct because mm. mainly they are the ones stuck in this uh, graduated income tax that uh, before train law imposes thirty two percent for your uh, half um, uh, half a million income imagine half a million income it will already be taxed at thirty two percent before train law. But upon implementation of train law, the first 250000 was exempted from income tax. Then they introduced the optional 8% for small businesses, optional 8%, meaning your annual gross sales should not exceed 3 million pesos. So that's for train law. Then package 1B is the Amnesty Act. Another uh, uh, good news for a lot of uh, Filipinos because a lot of them cannot afford the estate tax before, so they were not able to transfer the titles of their property. But under the Amnesty Act, uh, it now uh, cut down the estate tax from 20% to 6%, even if their deceased loved ones died several years ago and the government waived the interest and the surcharge, the penalties. That's part of the estate tax amnesty. Then the package uh, two is what you mentioned the CREATE law. So, for the CREATE law, it's mainly the reduction of corporate income tax. So, from 30%, uh, which we obviously know is not competitive and very high, it was now reduced to 20% for small corporations. Again, the definition of the small corporation are uh, corporations with uh, less than 100 million total assets, 100 million. And below total assets, and their net taxable income should not exceed five million pesos. So that's twenty percent. Otherwise, the reduced corporate income tax is twenty-five thir- percent, still lower compared to the thirty percent before the create law. And that was ef- uh, it was effective uh, made effective uh, July one last year. So even if it was newly signed last March twenty eighth, okay, yeah, yeah, the law yeah. took effect July one last year.
0: Because it, it took a little while to get signed, and people were keen to get it signed, but it was backdated then as well. Yes, yes, you're correct. So all of that is looking pretty generous and also quite forward looking. There was discussion, of course, you know, in the last eighteen months we've had COVID, which is one of the biggest economic kind of punches in the face that, that uh, the globe has had. Uh, and meanwhile, a lot of the developing, a uh, lot of the developed countries have had a lot of government support and incentives and um, and in the Philippines, not so much. There was talk of the CREATE bill basically uh, having further accommodation because of the COVID. Was, was there any sort of extra accommodation because of the COVID situation within the newly signed CREATE bill? Uh, okay, before, uh, before
1: that, I think uh, we have to give credit to the CREATE law because, indeed, there were tax relief measures which were included in the CREATE law. That's why it's called Corporate uh, uh, Recovery uh, and Tax Incentive for Enterprises. Uh, for the next three years, direct uh, there were reduced rates given to uh, some sectors like uh, small businesses who are paying 3 per, uh, 3% will only have to pay 1% business tax. For the next three years, that is uh, July 1, 2020 until June 30, 2023. And uh, for public hospitals and proprietary educational institutions, from 10% special corporate income tax, they will only be paying 1%, again, for the next three years. And the same way with uh, corporations who are paying minimum corporate income tax rate, uh, of 2%, they will only be paying 1% for the next uh, three years. And, uh, of course, the VAT exemption for all COVID-related uh, importation or purchases of all comp- corporations in the Philippines. But also the NOLCO, uh, losses can be claimed to reduce their taxable income in the next five years. The Originally, only three years. Now it was extended to uh, five years. I think these were all part of the... Uh, recovery program of the government, aside from Bayanihan 1 and 2, which mainly gave out uh, subsidy to uh, individuals and a lot of uh, small businesses.
0: I am assuming, even in good times, business is tough. And now we've had the most difficult trading period for, for 18 months for many businesses. And... I would assume that the vast majority of businesses now are not making any profits. And so they won't be paying any taxes either on the sort of, you know, the, the federal level or the local level. And is how is the government going to pay its bills over the next kind of two to five years, would you say? Has it got enough coming in to, to allow for the decreased revenues?
1: Actually, uh, Derek, more than 65% of our government revenue are from uh, large corporations. Which may be affect, may, which may have been affected by the pandemic, but they did not actually incur lo- so much losses compared to the small businesses, which comprise the ninety nine point six percent. Of our economy. So that's the great irony of it. In terms of number, we have, uh, or statistics 99.6% are actually the MSMEs, but their contribution is not as much as the large corporations, which are roughly 3,000 corporations who are contributing more than 65%. Of our uh, Mm. revenue that's why uh, when you mentioned earlier Derek about the freelancers the online the other informal economy the government really needs to do something so that they will uh, really approach the government because the government can collect revenues from them but at the same time they also need recognition and assistance from the government and if that that Part of our economy will really beat up and uh, will uh, be formalized and generate revenue. I think that will also be uh, a significant contribution in our economy.
0: And it's about getting everyone registered, really, isn't it? Getting them, getting them on the radar, and yeah, and then that's, uh, uh, that's the that's the critical thing. And uh, so the train and create bills were were pretty progressive. They were pretty successful, and and all happened. Are there any other? Uh, future enhancement enhancements on the agenda now, or is that pretty much yes, it?
1: Yes. Um, actually, there are uh, two more packages, the package three on property valuation reform. This refers to uh, the valuation of properties when you sell or when you inherit properties, and uh, the uh, financial income or uh, passive income and financial intermediary taxation, which will actually reduce the final tax on interest income from savings. Right now, Derek, uh, we're being taxed 20% 20%, uh, for every peso interest income our savings earn in the country. So it will be reduced to 15%. Uh, However, the uh, final tax on dividends, which are enjoyed by very few of us with uh, shares on different corporations, will now be taxed from 10% to 15%. So they will make it standard again, flat 15%. Whether it is interest uh, royalty or dividends it will now be fifteen percent that's under package for but the good news there Derek is if you are investing in the stock market at present it's being taxed at 06 percent stock transaction tax it will they intend to uh, lower it down to zero so point 0.1% reduction until it becomes zero I think that will encourage a lot of uh, investors in the stock market so another Part of our economy, which can be an alternative source of income for a lot of uh, Filipinos in the country.
0: Wow! And in terms of the the registration and getting people onto the radar, can does the government see a, a light at the end of the tunnel for that? Do they think that you know this will will grow? Are you going to get more than twenty million people registered?
1: Um, well, I, I think it will remain a challenge because they just started registering uh, Filipinos for this uh, national ID system, and I think uh, that NEDA, uh, as per reported by uh, NEDA Secretary Kalsua, uh, they're still um, adjusting and coming up with the. I mean, they're, they they started already with the system that will uh, uh, allow uh, the 110 million Filipinos to be registered. So imagine that if if uh, there is so much gap in the registration, whether it is election, national ID system, much more with uh, the TIN or tax identification number. That's why there was even a time, direct that I proposed or I thought of, why not just like uh, in the U.S. there's only one number? Why do we have to have se- separate mm-hmm. numbers for SSS, TIN number, for uh, for uh, COMELEC, for election, for why can't we just have one number? I don't know. I, I I suppose it's the national ID system, which later on will integrate or consolidate all our uh, registrations with the government.
0: I think the complexity of anything is, is the whole legacy system, isn't it? You know, trying to incorporate everything that's gone previously is really difficult. If you could just start with a blank slate, you know, you could probably get through yeah. it in, in a few months or years, but it's just incorporating all the legacy and, and I suppose the the legislation and regulation and it's it's a tough job, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. In fact, even with this di- digitalization, direct uh, I hope and pray that the change of administration will not move us back to zero. Uh, that it will be continued and further enhanced. Considering that that's really the way to go: uh, automate everything, especially uh, government transactions. And uh, if we can just consolidate and have one database, so that we don't have to. Uh, to produce documents and uh, and uh, transact separately from uh, with the different government
0: agencies and if and when there was a, a change in government do you think that this is a sort of politicized process or does everyone see that this is positive for the for the economy
1: well it it's it's positive if it will introduce um, more innovation and uh, enhancements in terms of the development started by this administration. Remember, even infrastructure. It started under uh, President Gloria Arroyo, continued by by, uh, President Aquino, wherein most of the cutting of the ribbon was done during the Aquino administration, but it was actually started during the Arroyo administration, and now the Duterte administration started a lot of these build, build, build projects, which I doubt if all of them will be finished under his term. I think a lot of it will be completed under the next administration. So I, I, I think, uh, um, it's really important that the next president and the new administration will uh, continue the good ones, uh, rather than, uh, deleting or like what you were mentioned about legacy and uh, keeping their name uh, uh, tagged into every project or developments in the country I think um, they just have to continue the good ones and further enhance especially in terms of policies and the uh, and the prioritization of the budget
0: and Mon just on a side note I'm getting all of my questions out here the I, the Philippine Constitution is fairly recent, uh, nineteen eighty-seven, I believe, and, and yes. that was where they established um, that there was no sort of foreign ownership of, of corporations <laughs> or, or yes. property, and that was almost a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to what had happened prior, and it was understandable then. But now it's considered to really be holding back the country in terms of, you know, in terms of foreign investment and, and partnerships and. Uh, Foreign companies coming in. Is there any uh, um, motivation to to change that? And I hear that that is is something that's on the agenda, but it's very difficult to yeah. to
1: change. I, I honestly, Derek, I think there is an increasing number of Filipinos who are supporting uh, that progressive uh, mindset that uh, uh, we don't need to fear foreign ownership. They cannot bring out the the. 7100 islands away from the Philippines so we just have to allow uh anyone uh outside the Philippines who would invest in the country to further develop the economy especially the countryside so i i am for one supporting uh the amendment of the constitution to allow foreign uh, ownership um really uh it's something that we need to uh, uh seriously uh push so that um we don't just increase uh FDI's, but we we really become more competitive in terms of introducing more um, technology and industries which were not yet uh, in the Philippines just because of some restrictions in our constitutions.
0: Mm. Interesting, and right, we are hopefully seeing the end of COVID. You know, I think the rollout will be a little bit slower here in the Philippines, but you know, maybe in in kind of twelve months from now. Well, I mean, the government is suggesting that by the end of this year we will have herd immunity in terms of the vaccination program, uh, but you know, conservatively, maybe twelve months from now. Wh- what are there? What are there in terms of recovery programs and Philippine stimulus? Is it all within the Create Bill, or does the Philippines have any more firepower that it's that it's willing to to use?
1: Well, I, I think uh, legislation-wise, they they still have a lot of. Uh, Pending uh, bills, uh, which they uh, like, uh, they want to amend the, the Foreign Investments Act, they want to amend the Public Service Act, they want to uh, amend the Trade Liberal- Liberalization Act. They want to continue the full digitalization of the government, which I think uh, is one of the um, blessings from this COVID pandemic because the government really prioritizes and uh, um, made a huge uh, improvement in terms of automating a lot of processes uh, in the government and their services. and uh, But other than that, I, I think it's important to consider, um, seriously consider um, having a tax holiday for small businesses, meaning uh, that they don't have to worry, at least in the next uh, 12 months. Seriously, um, the recovery is not as easy as six months or 12 months. For some companies, they have... Uh, they need to be resurrected. They died already, mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. the government will not come out with a, come up with a more uh, aggressive or abrupt uh, assistance, immediate assistance, um, they they will uh, disappear uh, in thin air because uh, in the first place they are too small to survive another six months uh, without uh, steady income, but with the uh, fixed costs or overhead that they have to ensure. And uh, extending loans is not also helpful for most of these uh, small businesses because they are indebted even before COVID. So I don't. That, I think that's the reason, Derek, why the ten billion uh, budget of DTI is still not yet released. Uh, there's a loan. There's a budget uh, allocation for financial assistance for small businesses under Small Business Corporation. But I think per report of the of the Trade Secretary. The, uh, the loan uh, release is still around uh, less than $4 billion. So imagine there's still $6 billion, uh, unreleased loans simply because mm. people are not applying because they don't have money to pay. So I guess, I guess uh, that, that's one, uh, a tax holiday, uh, something that would really um, help them. And uh, rather than just giving uh, a subsidy for uh, all Filipinos, which I think is highly politicized because the election is upcoming, I, I think it's, uh, it's also important to give uh, a tax break, like for new companies that will be registered for the next two years, they should not be paying taxes. Again, Derek, the, the DOF should not be afraid because the, the established large corporations are subsidizing the government, not the small companies. So if I start a business now, Derek, even if I don't pay taxes in the next two years, it's not a loss for the government because if I don't decide to start a business now, they, they still don't have a revenue. So they should allow me and the rest of our Filipino people or foreigners who would like to start a business in this pandemic, during this pandemic, to at least have a tax break in the next two years. Is that possible? Well, I studied all the economic uh, tax relief measures around the world, and there are countries which actually uh, allowed the um, postponement of tax payments. Like in Taiwan, I think they postponed tax payments for three years and allowed installment. Um in some countries, they uh, they literally um, uh, propose uh, introduce a tax holiday. the uh, companies are not paying uh, business tax since the pandemic started. So I think that more uh, uh, more more generous and. Um, and uh, liquid uh, directed, meaning liquid in, with, with impact to liquidity is something that our companies or small businesses would uh, really benefit uh, if the government can just introduce it. Again, uh, I, I think uh, the recovery will take more than 12 months. Or I, I think someone, uh, somebody said in the, the, from the business group that 2023 is the real um, jumpstart. Not 2021, not 2022. And if that is the case, Derek, we need to resurrect small businesses and give birth to new enterprises. And the government should be more um, uh, flexible, should be more innovative in uh, dealing with uh, these
0: regulations. It's about creating fertile ground, isn't it, for the for yeah. the MSMEs and the startups and even without COVID, you know, governments around the world are generally trying to stimulate startups, you know, and they can create huge prosperity if you create a, a kind of ecosystem of, of, of succeeding businesses. So, um, but hopefully, yeah, they're, they're focusing on that and, and going to give them a break and the encouragement that they, that they need. Mon, I just want to touch on something again. I... I, I You've answered all these questions incredibly well, but Pesa and the general tax incentives awarded to the outsourcing industry, in in particular, uh, you know, mostly they've fallen under the Pesa kind of umbrella, the uh, Philippine Economic Zone Authority. Um, potentially, some of them with the BOI, um, but if, but you know, to summarise it, because effectively they have been an export organisation, uh, and the government was keen to support and encourage. The outsourcing industry, uh, they, they were giving fa- great, fantastic, fantastic incentives. Now that the industry has matured somewhat, the, the sentiment is that they don't need so much support, so they should pay taxes like everyone else. Um, you know, and that's of course being pushed back against um, because the, the country needs to remain competitive on a global scale. Where do you see that tussle? Where is that sort of settled right now? And where do you see that going? Is, has PESA got a future? Well, um, if uh,
1: we will look at the uh, CREATE law, which actually introduced the fiscal incentive rationalization, uh, it still into, uh, allows four to seven years income tax holiday uh, but limit the special corporate income tax uh, to 10 years. Remember, after the tax holiday, um, all these BOI, PESA, and other companies registered in economic zones are given um, uh, 5% gross income tax. So the corporate uh, the corporate recovery uh, and tax incentive enterprise law or the CREATE law uh, made a, uh, put a threshold of 10 years for qualified export enterprises, while for qualified domestic enterprises, they limit it to five years. Uh, so the income tax holiday will still be, uh, can still be availed. Uh, foreign uh, investments can, uh, or enterprises can still uh, renew their uh, investment uh, tax holidays, but they limit the, the gross income tax to 10 years for uh, qualified export enterprises. I think... Um, Under the new administration, that that is something that we have to... uh, uh, Because remember, the reason why the Create from uh, Citira to Trabajo to Create Bill now Create Law, the reason why it got delayed is mainly because of the opposition of PESA and the other companies who are uh, enjoying the tax holidays or income tax uh, incentives, which will be um, more or less amended under Create Law, and it now... Uh, is enacted as a law. So I, I, I think uh, there's a need to further study it. But since the law allows continuous av- availment or enjoyment of the incentives, there's no issue now and next year. But under the next administration, that's something that uh, the, the, the new uh, DTI, NEDA, and DOF has to sit down and discuss if we want to really improve uh, and increase FDIs.
0: And what do you think, in, in your personal opinion, and, and witnessing the, the boom of the outsourcing industry over the last 25 years, and um, you know, maybe you agree or disagree, but it, is, it has created incredible economic opportunity and prosperity for the Philippines, um, the outsourcing industry specifically. Uh, and do you think that that should be further supported, or since it is affluent, should it help support the rest of the country? Like how, where do you see that, that balance? I honestly agree,
1: we, we, the government needs to give more support other than the tax incentives they really have to uh, recognize and um, to, to really uh, make uh, every uh, freelancer or Filipino who are part of this outsourcing industry um, uh, feel dignified with their work, that it's not just work for those who don't have the normal work or regular office work in their local company. I think this is already uh, a new market, a new economy, even before COVID. And uh, now that it's also helping the Philippine economy, I think the government in return should give all the support and uh, benefits as well to uh, Filipinos who are being employed or getting uh, jobs from uh, outsourcing uh, companies.
0: Well, that's exciting, and that's probably a good place to leave it. You know, we we project, Outsource Accelerator projects that over the next 20 years, there could be another 40 million jobs offshored, uh, you know, over over the next 10, 20 years, and hopefully the Philippines can capture the lion's share of those. Uh, and, you know, it just creates incredible economic opportunity for a country that otherwise, um, you know, to, to kind of tap into the world economy as opposed to just the local economy, so it's it's about creating a, a kind of a, a strong foundation to, to receive that. Yeah,
1: agree, agree, I, and I really do hope so that even the uh, IT infrastructure to improve the internet service and all will also be uh, improved so that uh, really we can um, um, rely on uh, on. Uh, improving this uh, industry because even during the pandemic we saw that that while there are a lot of new opportunities for Filipinos whether it's outsourcing freelancing or uh, all this digital uh, being a content creator, YouTube uh, TikTok etc but the internet is really uh, a mm. bottleneck it's either too costly or uh, the signal is too too low for you to even make a, a one-hour transaction uh, uninterrupted.
0: And how is the government going with that in terms of infrastructure? Because as you say, it's not just the internet. Although now that's absolutely critical, it is the um, electricity costs are you know one of the highest in the world per capita, I believe. Uh, the roads, uh, the airports, all those you know big infrastructure issues. Um, the government has you know spent a lot on infrastructure in this in this administration. But do you see that it's making the headway? I really don't know. But with the third telco
1: company, I hope there will be improvement in the next two to three years. Uh other than Smart Globe, now we have the Dito uh mm. company. Um, but uh also I think uh that there's really um this is really the impact of uh privatization because uh uh for other countries uh utilities are really government owned. But uh, I don't know, this is just my perspective. I'm not an economist, but um it's it's really deregulated, so it's hard for the government to uh, promise that the electricity will go low, will go down, because uh, they, they, it's run by a private entity. And at the end of the day, they also have to secure a margin. Unlike if it is a government-owned uh, entity, uh, then the government can really use all our taxes to make sure the, the greater majority will not be burdened by electricity costs or other utilities, which are supposed to be part of the services of the government. So I hope mm-hmm. uh, that's also something that should be looked into. Uh, what are the, the industries or entities that should remain or should be back to the government as part of their assets and the services to the Filipino people? Because I, for one... Uh, It's very expensive, both the internet and the electricity. It's costly. So uh, I I travel a lot and uh, it surprises me every time that uh, you get free Wi-Fi in almost all areas around the world. But in the Philippines, you have to pay. uh, You have already a plan and yet it's not reliable and when you uh then the electricity as well it's uh uh it's really costly i mean even if you don't do anything you don't make money you pay so much electricity so might as well make money so that you can cover your electricity cost
0: yeah it's tough to get started isn't it it's all those sort of entry-level hurdles that makes it difficult to get things off the ground but, uh, but yeah hopefully hopefully they're all changing mon that's uh that's a fantastic conversation thank you so much for your your insights and and time. So if anyone else wants to learn more about what you do, how can they do that? Uh,
1: they can visit our website, um, acg.ph. Um, it's really where we put all our uh, articles, the pub, uh, the books that we publish. Uh, we publish articles almost every week, every week uh, uh, on Rappler, every other week on Business World and Inquirer. And uh, we have uh, published textbooks uh, mainly to really educate and empower our MSMEs. So I'll be publishing another book next quarter, which will consolidate all the tax reforms of the current administration. It's it's really as an uh, easy guide for all of us so that you don't need to be an expert or to consult lawyers or tax experts every now and then. So expect it next quarter that we'll be publishing it. Tax guide for Philippine companies. And, uh, They can just visit our website or follow us in uh, LinkedIn, social media, Asian Consulting Group. Yeah, we're always there. And we have a mobile app actually in partnership with uh, BIR. It's free where people can just download it, use the tax calculator, and chat. They can ask us anytime. I personally answer every day. But... uh, for an hour only, because there are so many questions. But um, mm. you can try it, Derek. You can download it, and we can chat there. It's unlimited. It's for free. That's part of our advocacy partnership with the government to really help people understand and uh, uh, deal with their taxes without so much cost and uh, without fear.
0: Fantastic, Mama. Well, that's that's great work, and and thank you for all those uh, contributions. Thanks, Derek. That was Mon Abrea of Asian Consulting Group. If you want to get in touch with Mon or know anything about what we discussed, then go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And as always, if you want to send us an email, just email us at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.